This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, Senator Kevin Kramer is going to join us live. We're going to be talking about the impeachment trial that started today and much, much more. So much news going on. And tonight, former President Trump's second, I can't believe I'm saying this, second impeachment trial. That's the subject of tonight's Point of View. Big vote today earlier in the U.S. Senate. They actually voted 56-44. So you had six Republicans that voted yay. Yay, that yes, it is constitutional to impeach a former president. Pretty shocking number right there. I mean, this could open up a whole can of worms. We'll, we'll touch on this with Senator Kramer, obviously, in a moment. But I really want to focus on the night is the impeachment articles that came out of the House. We all know the House recently impeached President Trump. I think it's very important to know, especially what we're going to see over the next few days here. Remember, please, the impeachment process, it's a political process not a criminal one. That is very, very important with what you're going to see over the next few days. Now, let's focus on this actual article of impeachment. It was a single article of impeachment, and the title of it was uh, in the incitement to an insurrection. Incitement to an insurrection. I want to break this down for you tonight, and then we can look at, do you think President Trump has any possibility of being convicted or not? So let's start with the definition of incitement. This is the definition of incitement. Incitement is the action of provoking unlock. Can we bring this graphic up, please? Unlawful behavior or urging someone to behave unlawfully. I'm going to repeat that for you. The action of provoking unlawful behavior or urging someone to behave unlawfully. Please remember that as we go through this tonight. So let's look at now how does U.S. code define insurrection? Because again, that's part of the title of this article of impeachment. So Here's the U.S. Code for Insurrection. It's 18 U.S. Code 2383, if you can bring this graphic up, please. And it states this, very, very important, rebellion or insurrection. Do we have the graphic, guys? Oh, okay. So we don't have that, so I'll just read this for you, but pay close attention to what I say. Whoever incites, sets foot on, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, very important, here it is, or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. So remember, United States and the laws thereof. That is critically important because in the U.S. Constitution, Article 2, Section 4, it talks specifically about the Electoral College. Remember, January 6th was all about the Electoral College vote to confirm President Biden being the next President of the United States. Here's what it says in the United States Constitution about this. The Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors and the day in which they shall give their votes, which day shall be the same throughout the United States. So, again, these definitions are critically, critically important about uh, someone behaving unlawfully, is it going to impact the United States laws that we have? I just shared with you the electoral part is in the U.S. Constitution. I want to share with you a short video from the House managers today. They had about a 13-minute video. The videos these people are going to create are going to be very persuasive. I want to share with you a little bit of one they played earlier today. Here it is.
cursor about, hey, this is right before the Electoral Vault College vote was going to take place in the House. Was any of that unlawful? Was any of that trying to intrude on or infringe upon the laws of the United States? It's something we're going to talk about with Senator Kevin Kramer. Is he with us, guys? Senator Kevin Kramer, thanks so much for joining us live here tonight on Point of View. We appreciate it. Always great to have you. Um, I'm not sure how much of my uh, analysis you had a chance to hear there, but I want to get your take on my analysis of the breakdown for this article of impeachment and what was your greatest takeaway from today? Yeah, so thanks, Chris, for having me. And I did hear a good part of it, I think. Um, I do, th I, I might take a little question or maybe there's a little more information related to the the role of the electors in the calendar. I think the date that you were talking about, this Congress sets the date when they vote, the, the date that we actually, um, you know, that we actually count the electors is a different day. I think they're two different things. But by and large, I think your analysis is right in terms of laying it out. Um, you, you laid it out in a nice, succinct, and orderly manner, which is more than I can say for President Trump's lawyers tonight, um, this afternoon. But uh, nonetheless, I think they were adequate to, to make the case of jurisdiction, which is what we dealt with already today. Well, I, I want to get to that, Senator, because look, their whole pitch <laughs> is that they're going to say, we're going to say it's unconstitutional right. to impeach a former president. They clearly did not win that argument today. And, and in my opinion, based on the, even the short video we saw today, we know there's a lot more coming. I mean, the, the persuasiveness of these videos, we're going to get to this in a moment, it's going to put a lot of pressure on you and Senator Hoven to potentially <laughs> convict. Give us an idea of what you expect to see over the next few days. <laughs> So you raise an important point here that the video and you showed a part of it. I think the original video was something like 11 or 12 minutes long that they showed. And while it might be um, persuasive in some respects, it's not persuasive to the case. The case is not whether or not the, what happened on January 6th was bad or whether there was violence that occurred or that a lot of people ought to be thrown in jail for you know, busting through the in, into the Capitol and hurting people and hurting property. It was all awful. I was there, as was Senator. Hoven and Representative Armstrong and, and the other members of Congress. So we witnessed a lot of that, and the, it's very graphic, no question, but it's also a Hollywood production designed to be emotional. But the question isn't that, that that was bad. There's nobody that disagrees, at least no senator I know that thinks that everything was peachy keen or that that was an appropriate expression of First Amendment speech. It wasn't. The question before us is whether they can that somehow we can divert the blame away from the perpetrators and onto the president of the United States because of a speech he gave earlier in the day. So, and uh, so I, I think that's their that's the bigger problem. So let me ask you about that, because, again, I just read the U.S. code when it comes to U.S. insurrection. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask you this question based on what I said. Anyone that's engages rebellion uh, or even gives aid to or comfort to. OK, so there's the context of the actual U.S. code. And if you look at the signs on January 6th for President Trump's rally, it was his leadership pact that actually put that day on Save America. So my question to you is if President Trump didn't put on the event on January 6th, do you think there would have been the riots, some would call it an insurrection, at the Capitol? So there's a lot of things that, you know, if that's the standard, Chris, that if he wouldn't have done this, would this have happened? Boy, we got to go back in history and come up with, a, you know, we can come up with a whole bunch of what ifs. And I just think that that's an inadequate connection. Now, if the, you know, if the House managers were really confident of that, they should have done a couple of things for what they should do. Really, they should have waited for an investigation into that, because as, as investigations are going on right now, more and more things are coming to to uh, to bear such as 
how long some of this stuff was planned by people that weren't in you know weren't connected with the president and so far as i can tell all of the people who have been convicted have never yet pointed the finger back to i did it because uh, we were in cahoots or collaboration with the trump campaign or the white house or anything like that so uh, again yeah Two things happen on the same day. You know, if one thing wouldn't happen, would the other thing have happened? I don't know whether it would have or it wouldn't have, but the burden is to prove it, that it would have happened. That's that's for the, the House managers to do. The other thing that's suspicious to me, quite honestly, Chris, that really came out tonight today, um, and this is one area where I think that the president's team did a pretty good job of, it, frankly, shining some light on something I hadn't thought of. Why did the House wait so long to, you know, first of all, they have a snap decision to snap impeachment, but then they waited several days before they delivered the articles of impeachment over to the Senate. Were they, in fact, trying to stall so that they would be trying to impeach a former president rather than the president? So rather than having the chief justice of the Supreme Court in the chair answering some of these constitutional questions, by the way, they have the president pro tem, in other words, one of their own uh, sitting in the chair. I, I don't know, but it raises a question. Well, and I think it's, it's hey, politics is strategy, right? Let's get to this because I think okay. One of the big questions people are going to have is, you know, for someone in your position, do you vote your constituents or do you vote your conscience? Many people watching the show, as you know, are pro-Trump, but give people an idea as far as, because I know you keep track of phone calls and emails from North Dakotans, how many people are asking you to convict and how many people are asking you to, to acquit? Yeah, it's a great question, Chris, because we do track phone calls and emails and, and letters. I don't generally reveal those things. I think it's important not to do that because constituents don't necessarily call in or write in with that intention in mind. We want them to be, feel free to do that. There's also nothing scientific about it. In some cases, a campaign exists. In other cases, it's impulsive or spontaneous and we want to make sure that they remain you know uh, feeling comfortable to be able to do that with me so i don't generally do that but with regard to that fundamental question the question really more is a matter of conscience for me than it is even a matter of constituent outreach and some people as you know constituents overwhelmingly wanted me to vote to object to the electors, except the Constitution doesn't allow me to do that. And, and that same Constitution, I believe, says that you can't uh, you can't impeach a former president or a private citizen. And my, that same conscience tells me, um, you know, that's that I should have voted the way I did today. That wasn't based on. Uh, calls or letters or emails or all the above from anybody in North Dakota. We have a, this is what's so special, and this is, by the way, what's what we have to guard for. And that is what's special about the United States is our self-governance. We elect a president, not a not a uh, parliament doesn't elect a prime minister. That's where we're different. Those are the things we rejected from England, and that's what makes us special. So we have a representative republic. And if the people of North Dakota don't like the way I voted, you know, too many times or enough times or on any one thing that matters most to them, their recourse, of course, their redress is the next election. And I accept that. I always have accepted that. But I think really almost everything has to be a matter of conscience first. And hopefully the people of the state that sent you there agree with that conscience most of the time, which is why you're their representative. Senator, I think it's crystal clear that President Trump's not going to be convicted unless something comes out, you know, over the next week or so mm -hmm. that changes that but as of right now it doesn't look like that's going to happen my point is this it's i think it's important for people to know you've been in this political world a long time that this is a purely political process it's political theater i want to play for you a little bit of a clip from one of president trump's attorneys today and then uh, get your reaction and talk to you about the other side here he is from earlier today we now learn that the house managers in their wisdom have hired a movie company and a large law firm to create manufacture and splice for you 
a package designed by experts to chill and horrify you and our fellow Americans. Again, pretty clear he's not going to be convicted. What do you think the Democrats and the House managers are trying to accomplish with that? So it's really interesting because, Chris, remember that he's already removed from office. He lost the election. The people did that. Okay, so the only other remedy is to make sure he can never hold office again. I suspect they're trying to accomplish that outcome by either conviction or just by all these videos. This is the part that's a bit unseemly, quite honestly. I don't imagine that our founders thought a lot about watching video on TV screens in the entire country, watching it at the same time as part of a, an impeachment trial. Now, that, those are the times we live in, and they should use all the technology, both sides should, that they can. But the difference is that because of our media um, you know, world that we live in now, I think they're spending more of their effort on talking to you and your viewers so, than they are to the 100 senators in the room. So let me give you a theory on what I think they're up to, because I want our audience to be aware of this over the next few days, and you can poke holes in it. But as I'm sure you've seen, there's been a big conversation from President Joe Biden and many people in the House to strengthen the domestic terrorism bills and to infringe more on our rights. My opinion, by showing these videos, they're going to make a very strong case. Hey. See how crazy these people are? These people need to be, I mean, there was an article today in Axios, Senator, about how we need to deprogram America's extremists. One guy called for a Marshall Plan on this. Am I on the right track? You think? I, I think you're exactly on the right track because remember, some of the best arguments that the president's team made tonight had nothing to do with the Senate's jurisdiction, but they do have to do with constitutional rights, due process. And due process, by the way, is an impeachment relevant issue, as they pointed out. The Fifth Amendment is very important to the impeachment process. Um, casting of too wide a net, which the Senate rules prohibit, and yet that's exactly what they do it did. But the big one was is was and is free speech. That's what's what's in danger yes. right now, and we're seeing it come from so, all angles. I just finished an interview with Aaron Burnett on her show on CNN and pressed that point because you and your business, big tech and its business, you know, the the blogosphere and everybody else have a responsibility not to apologize or to cancel, but to invigorate freedom of expression, even that expression that offends us. And, and I, I worry about that. Chris. So I've got to ask you in this context, because you're on the Senate Armed Services Committee, we have the clip, but we don't have time. I'm just going to share with you. But so right now, basically, to my naked eye, D.C. looks like a militarized zone. Like you guys are under almost it looks like a martial law. Yesterday, uh, John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesperson, said that I'm going to spend U.S. taxpayers four hundred and eighty three million dollars to keep the guard in D.C. through March 15th. Why? What, what is going on? Yeah, great question. I do not know of any credible intelligence that that would require this. I, I will give them that we're in an impeachment week when things could get a little hot, I suppose, out there. And so, okay, fine. But I would hope that as soon as we're done with this impeachment trial, the razor wire comes down, the fences come down. Our National Guard troops, who are fantastic, but, by the way, and I've been thanking them every time I see several of them, which is several times a day. But I agree, it sends the wrong message about a free country. And I, so, it's, it's sort of like other things that are becoming habitual around here. But Senator, quickly, my, my point now is that just more political theater. Are, are they actually, yes. God, I hate to have this come out of my mouth, but using our National Guard and this fencing for more political theater. Well, I think it does send a very bad message right. by sending very bad images. But I never want anybody to think anything other than I love our National Guard. I love our police yeah. officers. They're all great. It's not their fault. I feel badly for, for how many of them are feeling right now, which is why if I could buy them all dinner, I would, but I can't afford it. <laughs>
Senator Kevin Crane, we always appreciate the time. Again, thank you for joining us live. Great insight and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks, Chris. Always my pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right, stay with us when we come back. We're going to have a very special guest from the North Dakota Autism Center. You can help out with Giving Hearts Day, which is coming up on Thursday. And, of course, please share your point of view with us. You can email us, text us, leave us a voicemail. We'll be right back.